Welcome to another episode of Mama Earth Talk. I'm your host, Maris Canal. Realizing just how much waste we generate on a daily basis, I've set a personal goal not only to reduce, reuse, and recycle, but to also educate the world about sustainability and how each of us can help preserve our beautiful planet. Thanks for listening. Let's dig in. Hey, Crazy Birds! Our guest today is the presenter of The Sustainable Future Report, a weekly podcast and blog on energy, resources, pollution, and the climate crisis, in which he looks at how we can face up to these challenges and how far technology can help us. During this episode, we are taking a look into carbon offset and see if it is used as a get-out-of-jail-free card, or is it the start of rethinking how much carbon we use? We also talked about voting and how not only your vote at the ballot can make a change, but your daily voting with your money could too. Crazy birds, without any further ado, I would like to welcome Anthony Day. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. So how did your sustainable journey actually started, Anthony? A long time ago. I think it started when The Ecologist magazine published Blueprint for Survival, and that was in the early 70s. I think they were mainly talking about resources and pollution at that stage. So I've evolved to some extent because the next, I think the next big milestone was when I read The End of Oil by Paul Roberts. And at that point, it seemed as though we were going to run out of oil and that was going to cause us all sorts of uh, economic catastrophes. But then things have developed. And of course, the IPCC and all the reports about how CO2 and other greenhouse gases are building up in the atmosphere have developed into our understanding now of the current climate crisis, which is global warming, and we need to do something about it. Definitely. Wow. Well, it's been been some time. That's even way before I was born. So you've been in this for quite some time now. (laughs) I've been interested in it for a very long time. Yes, yes. Oh, that's amazing. And you also have a weekly podcast and a blog where you talk about a lot of important topics, but you've also mentioned that it's not just about saving the planet, but it's rather that we need to make changes to keep the planet a comfortable place to actually live on. But what exactly does that mean? Well, I think pollution is a key element of that, of course, because if we poison the land, if we poison the rivers, if we poison the seas, then eventually we're not going to be able to grow the food that we need to live on. We're not going to be able to raise the livestock. And so while we might reduce emissions and we might be able to stop global warming, if the planet is wrecked, then uh, we've, we've not achieved a lot, have we? Exactly. And I mean, like that, that really buffles my head because, you know, we are one of the most intelligent species on this planet, but yet we are one of the only species that I actually know of that is just like going out and destroying our own habitat, whether it is for financial gain or 
I don't know what other reasons people can kind of have, you know, whether it is for, you know, getting food on the table, but it's really caused so much issues. I mean, here in Australia, we are seeing a lot of the effects. I mean, we've got the bushfires that's now happening more and more um, frequently. And we've got also the bleaching of the coral reefs here at the Great Barrier Reef. And we also see more like dead zones in the ocean. So for me, that is, it's phenomenal to think that, you know, we see all of these things, but there's still so many people that's denying, first of all, the climates. Then you've got companies that's trying their best to cover stuff up so that they can just continue with business as usual for as long as possible. And it definitely has an effect on us. And, you know, we might not see the actual things that's going to happen in the next year or two as dramatic as we'd say, you know, children that's growing up now when they are 30, 40 years old, it's going to be a total different ball game if we don't step up now. Yes, you're absolutely right. It's as urgent as the pandemic, but the amount of attention it's getting, of course, is far less. Yeah, there's going to be COP26 uh, next next year. But I think it's Greta Thunberg who said, okay, they're going to have another meeting, but you know, they need to do something. They need not just sit down having more meetings. Exactly. It's really like, I feel it's time for action now. You know, we really, we've done a lot of talking and talking and talking and we need to take action and we need to really make people accountable and businesses accountable for the stuff that they are doing. You know, the climate crisis is not something new. I mean, there has been warnings about how we live, how we exploit our planet for profit and its effect on the environment that goes back decades. I mean, you've just mentioned, you know, you've been in this for for quite some time. So do you think we can actually still turn the tide on climate change or is the time running out? Well, as you say, yes, the time's running out, but I believe that we can do something. If I didn't believe that, I might as well stay in bed. (laughs) We've got to continue to make people aware. And more and more, we have got to influence governments because governments are the only organisations with the power to make the big things happen. But governments will only act if they think what they're doing is what the people want. So we have got to work so that people are aware and they understand that their future, not just the future of their children and their grandchildren, but their own future, is going to be affected unless we do things very quickly. And we've also got to get over the idea that it's going to be a difficult and unpleasant thing to do. I mean, it's all too easy for denialists to say, oh, well, you want to live in a cave and wear sackcloth. But no, it's not that. We can do things differently, which are, which are cleaner things, which are better things. We can achieve things by doing things differently. And that's what we've got to explore. And that's what we've got to persuade people to understand and to support. You've just mentioned, you know, a lot of people come together and we talk about the issues, but we really need to act on it. You know, in the last few years, we've really seen, especially from the US side, you know, they are literally the second largest polluter. And when the Trump administration actually withdrew, from the Paris Agreement, you know, that really had effects because they had all sorts of regulations that got 
pedal backwards. And it does not just affect the people living in the US, this affects us all. And that is why the Paris Agreement is so important. And I think a lot of people don't understand that climate crisis does not have a border. There's no actual border for it. You know, it affects us all. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's some good news, of course, on the Paris Agreement, because Joe Biden has said that the first thing he'll do on his first day in office is apply to rejoin. And that's something he can do with an executive order. He doesn't need Congress, as far as I know, to support him on that. Uh, The second thing he needs to do, of course, is to replace the head of the Environmental Protection Agency with somebody who really believes in, in environmental protection. I think he will have to get that appointment ratified by the Senate, but um, I'm sure he'll do it. And then we can start rolling back or reintroducing the controls on the uh, fossil fuel industries, which have been such a problem for a while. Yeah, so there is some hope. There is a silver lining. And I'm looking forward to actually see what's going to happen in the next few months. And I definitely think, you know, it's so important for people to come together and really see what the issues is and also to get involved with government. You know, if you if you feel that your voice is not heard, you know, go and make it heard. See if you can't go to some of the government meetings, you know, try and see if you can't get in those places and see if, if there's no petitions that you can sign just to keep that momentum going. Because I think especially in the US, there was such a hype of people going to vote. And thank goodness they did go in all of those numbers. But, you know, that's not kind of where it ends. It really, we still need to kind of push through and see where else we can have our voices heard and how we can make even more of a difference. It should not just be something that we do every four years. It should definitely be something that we continue to do. Indeed, but well, this is what uh, Extinction Rebellion is is trying to do, and as well as Greenpeace and Friends of the Earth and the other organisations. The problem at the moment is that lockdown makes it very difficult to have any sort of street protests or even to go to any of these buildings or organisations or meetings that you're talking about. This week, there is a guy here in, in the UK who's climbed up a construction crane, and he's been up there for two days and he's got a, an Extinction Rebellion banner hanging down from the crane. So there are lots of dedicated people who want the government to take notice. It's going to be very, very hard work, though. It's going to be very hard work, I'm afraid. Yeah, definitely. It's not just, for me, I mean, it's not just about casting that vote, even though it is super important. You know, we can do other things as well. Like every single time we open our wallets, we are casting a vote. You kind of, you know, spend money and you support an organization that you either want to see more of or you want to see, if you want to see less of them, then obviously you don't support it. So I definitely think that's something that we don't have to wait until things goes back to a point where we can attend some of these events. We can actually do something right now by purchasing items from companies that supports our values and that, you know, wants to drive this sustainability further. So with more people looking for companies and services from, I would say, a circular economy, 
where do organizations start when it comes to like switching if they say have a current like linear economy business to one that is more sustainable and a little bit more circular? I think that's quite complex uh, because, as you say, a circular economy, you've got a, a circular supply chain. And it does depend where the particular organization is on that supply chain. I think the, the larger organizations, the producing organizations, have the, the greatest power because they are the ones who design the product. They can design the product to be remanufactured, to be refurbished, and eventually to be totally recycled when it's used. But in order to be able to actually make all that work, not only have you got to persuade the consumer to buy the redesigned product, but you've also got to have very sophisticated recycling on the one side to take care of that product when it's finished with. And you've got to have material suppliers who presumably in turn are customers of the recycler to provide the materials for you to start to put back into the process. Now, I think the circular economy has got to be the way of the future because the particularly the rare earth metals and so on are rare and they're running out and they're going to get more and more expensive. And it doesn't make sense for us to put that sort of thing into all our electronics and our tablets and our phones and our televisions and our computers and then chuck them in a bin. We've got to recycle that sort of stuff out because otherwise it'll just get it'll either run out or it'll get prohibitively expensive. But I think in the short term, we've got to look again at governments to incentivize this sort of thing and to perhaps penalize parts of it, penalize in particular stuff which goes to landfill and isn't recycled. So I think it's the future, but it needs to be kickstarted. I really do. I really do think so. And I mean, I feel you do see more and more of these companies popping up and it is mainly in like the sustainable product market. But some of the products, and I've had a few of these people in, on my podcast, like from Nudie Jeans, you know, so if you've worn your jeans so many times that it's literally falling apart, they can either fix it for you for free because that's a service that they offer you for being a Nudie client. But if you really had enough of those jeans, you can either trade it in for a discount and they will recycle it or they will kind of upcycle it and use the bits and pieces they can to fix other genes in the future. And you see more and more of these companies that is willing to take their product back. And I think that again comes in with the whole design of the product. You know, if you know you're reliable or, you know, you're going to be hold liable for this product once it's broken, then you would maybe think about designing a better product so that it actually does not break. Right. Yes, you're absolutely right. I think there are also two organizations which are really important. Uh, one is FreeCycle. Uh, I'm sure you have FreeCycle where you are. And the other is eBay. Basically, in both of those circumstances, if you've got a product which has got a life in it, but you don't need it anymore, or you can't fit it into the house that you've moved into or whatever, you can pass it on, either free or by selling it through eBay, other people can get the benefit of, uh, of that product. And I think that's, that's an important way forward. And you also, correct me if I'm wrong, but do you also offer some courses for companies to actually help them, you know, if they want to go on a more sustainable path as well? I haven't got the specific courses, but um, I do do presentations to organizations basically to make people aware 
of the issues and also to reinforce their own corporate messages so that we can look at exactly how their particular organisation uh, fits into the whole climate responsibility business and, and what they and what they need to do and why and why they're doing it as well. So now talking about the whole technology that is, you know, we're seeing more and more amazing products coming alive to the market, you know, how can we actually use technology to our advantage to live more sustainably and to reduce climate change? Okay, I think the first thing I got to say is let's beware that there is no technological silver bullet. Too many people are saying, well, yeah, it's a problem, but, you know, technology will solve it because it always has. That is a very, very risky strategy. On the other hand, look at the technology that we're using at this moment. It's come into its own during lockdown while more and more people work from home. It's had a direct effect on greenhouse gas emissions because people work from home and they don't drive to the office they don't use uh, aircraft and emissions. The rate of emissions, at least, has fallen. I believe emissions are still growing, but uh, the, the rate has significantly fallen. So there's an example. And yeah, technology, well, there's going to be a lot of technology in, in the energy field in particular. Uh, we're, we're aware of wind power and solar power and even tidal power. The next big thing, I think, has got to be energy storage, because, as we know, renewables are generally intermittent. We've got to store the energy when the wind's not blowing and the sun's not shining. So, yeah, technology is the future. But, as I say, it's not the silver bullet. Yeah, definitely. And, I mean, if we just look at solar power, for for example, or, you know, how we store that, that power in these batteries, you just think back a few years what type of battery sizes and stuff you actually had just to like run all the power for your house versus now there's so much better batteries available on the market. And I definitely feel, you know, technology is going to go further and further. But it is like you said, you know, we need to look at our energy consumption and not just think, oh, it's amazing. You know, we have all of this power now. Now we can use more power. So it's not that's not the case, but it, it, it's exciting to see what's happening. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Battery technology has a long way to go. I think we're pushing the limits of lithium iron, but there's other materials which are under research. And uh, I, I think we're going to see big advances as, as we go forward. As we are, you know, seeing more and more people dipping their toe in sustainability and hearing about all of these different things, something that I wanted to talk about is the carbon offset schemes, because they are appearing with more companies and individuals. You know, they are either globally offsetting either their entire carbon footprint or they are neutralizing a specific impact or specific activity that they are doing. So what is your advice when wanting to offset our carbon footprint? And is there something specific we need to look out for to kind of avoid this like greenwashing? Well, I'm very skeptical about carbon offsetting. I really am. The most popular one is to, is to plant trees. Now, I think that's a very, very good idea. We should plant as many trees as possibly can wherever we can. But I think that if you say, well, I've just flown to New York for the weekend, I'll buy a couple of trees and uh, uh, that's negated any effect I've had on the atmosphere. That's not true. It takes 30 years for the average tree to absorb a ton of carbon. 
How many more times are you going to fly in that 30 years? How many more trees are you going to buy? And how can you be sure that tree will actually live for 30 years and won't actually be chopped down? How can you be sure that tree won't be sold multiple times to other people? I think you've got to start at the, at, at the source. Don't look at how you can offset and think you can do whatever you like simply by paying conscience money to some sort of offsetting program. Look at what you are doing and look at the carbon that it is creating and look at how you can reduce your carbon footprint. I think that has got to be the first step in, in every case. Look at the carbon footprint, the carbon impact of what you're doing and see if there's a simpler and lower carbon way of achieving it. Exactly. Well, yeah, for me, it, it really feels like kind of a get out of jail free card. You pay that money and you just go straight past. You don't have to worry about it. And, you know, I, I do understand if there is people that do the occasion flight and even when they do it, they really want to try and see if they if there can't be some good that they can do with it. But, you know, we are seeing more companies like just kind of advertising we are carbon neutral. And then I'm like, well, your supply chain doesn't really say that, you know. So it's it's really, really up to us to ask the, those questions. And I sometimes feel that there's a difference from a company that's kind of, they they figured out, okay, what we are doing, it's terrible for the environment. Let's try and work on a plan to not be as terrible for the environment. And while we work out this plan, we're going to offset carbon, our carbon footprint, but we are working on this plan and we are trying to do it as fast as possible. Whereas the opposite is also happening where they know what they're doing is terrible, but they're offsetting their carbon. So, you know, it's, it's, it's all good, mate. <laughs> so it's, it's a difficult one. It's a difficult one. We had a case in the UK uh, recently where there was a company which was producing vegetable-based burgers. Their advertising more or less said, buy our vegetable-based burgers and help to save the planet. And they were called out on that. And the advertising standards people eventually told them not to use the advertisement because uh, it just, just didn't add up. But it's, uh, it's too easy to use it. And, you know, greenwash is, uh, is, is very attractive, but it's got to be seen as that when the claims cannot be supported. And I mean, greenwashing does not just, you know, it's not just something that happens with carbon offsets. It's something that, you know, companies use in their packaging, you know, all of these green colors and everything to kind of make it look a little bit eco and, you know, to put like stuff as compostable, even though it can only be composted in an industrial compost machine. People still think it's good. You know, I can put it in my in my garden compost or, you know, so there's definitely, I think for us as consumers, we need to be, you know, vigilant and ask the hard questions because companies are making it too easy to greenwash a lot of people. And it's really hard because, you know, you try, you think you're doing something good, but then it actually has the opposite effect. Yeah, it's a problem. It's a problem. There are challenges wherever you look in sustainability and environmentalism. There really are. But yeah, so try and get some people that you can trust and recommend. And I mean, your podcast is also a great source of information um, for me. So once a week, I do listen to it. And just to oh, kind, <laughs> kind of catch up on 
what's happening and get some some great info as well. So I'm going to link that up for our show in our show notes for our crazy bits as well. Thank you. Thank you. Mm. And so now we're just going to move on to our standard questions. What has been one of your most important decisions that you have made around Mama Earth? Well, I think I must say it's the podcast because if I didn't think it was important, I wouldn't have been doing it every week or nearly every week for the last four or five years. But there is something else which, in a small way, I think is useful. I've got um, I've got a hybrid car. I bought it 15 years ago and I've still got it. And uh, it has lower emissions than most cars available now. And I think that's made a contribution to reducing carbon footprints, not least, not just because it's got lower emissions when you drive it around, but because I've avoided the carbon footprint of having a new one built. And anybody can make a contribution in that way. You don't have to keep it 15 years, just keeping it an extra year will actually defer and reduce the carbon footprints from the manufacturing process of a car. And the same applies to other appliances and furniture and and things like that. Make it last a bit longer and uh, you're saving carbon. Love it. And I mean, if you're in the market for something, go and check out the secondhand market before you just like go directly and buy something brand new. You're going to save on money as well as actually the resources of producing a brand new item as well. Well, crazy birds, before we move on with this interview, I just wanted to take a little bit of a break and say thank you to every single one of you guys that listens to every single podcast. I appreciate you. You guys are the reason that I keep on going. And I just wanted to take a moment just to say thank you. And if any of these episodes kind of resonated with you, please feel free to share it with a friend or family member that you think would love it too. I really appreciate your support. If you really love the podcast, please head on over to wherever it is that you listen to this podcast and rate and review it. It really helps people to find Mama Earth Talk. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast and for being part of this community. I absolutely love and appreciate you guys. Now, let's dig right back into the final five. So the first one is, what is one social media account or publication that you follow? I would strongly recommend a video blog called Just Have a Think. So it's justhaveathink.com. It's presented by a guy called Dave Borlas. And it's similar to my podcast in a way. I produce a magazine with half a dozen or more stories each week. He takes a single topic. He goes into it in detail. And I'm really impressed with the work he does. So check out justhaveathink.com. Awesome. And what is your hope for Mama Earth going forward? My hope is that the politicians will listen and that politicians will act because that's where our future lies. And what advice can you give our crazy birds this week to help out Mama Earth? Simply think carbon. Think carbon in everything you do because everything you eat, use or wear, every journey you make has a carbon footprint. There may be different ways of doing what you want to do which have a lower carbon footprint. Think carbon. 
I love it. And you also, one of your last podcast was titled that. So I'm going to link that up for Crazy Birds as well to kind of have a listen to that. It was such a great podcast. And what is one sustainability fact that you like to use in a room with people not yet on a sustainable journey? Now, that's the most difficult question. That really is. If you've got a room full of people who are not on a sustainability journey, it is so difficult. Even with friends, I find difficult because I get the reaction, oh, it's, it's Anthony on his hobby horse again, which is worrying because, of course, the climate crisis is everybody's crisis. Well, one thing that I thought of was 7 billion people want everything you've got because there's about 7.8 billion people on, on the planet. 800 million have got what we've got or more. But the other 700 want, sorry, the other 7 billion want to raise their standard of living, most of them, to our standard of living. Now, we've got to approach that by maintaining our standard of living in the most environmentally responsible and low carbon low impact way that we can, because only by increasing efficiency are we going to be able to share out the world's resources so that everybody else on the planet can increase their standard of living. It's a challenge, another of those big challenges. I love that. Yeah. And considering that at the moment, you know, we use like almost 1.75 Earth's resources every single year. So to think of 7 billion more people want to live the way that, you know, such a minority of people actually live, you know, to kind of up their living standards, we're going to be using a whole lot of Earth. So we definitely need to change our habits. And Anthony, where can people actually find you? So you'll find the website at sustainablefutures.report. So it's not a .com, it's a .report, sustainablefutures.report. And we'll definitely link that up in the show notes as well. So our crazy birds can go and find you and also listen to your weekly report. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. You've been an absolute great guest and I can't wait to share it with our crazy birds. Well, that's great. It's really been a pleasure, Mariska. If ever we're able to come back to Perth to see the family, I hope I can come and see you too. Oh, well, that will be lovely. Hopefully by then all my veggies and everything is growing in the garden. So I'll give you a tour. Okay. Well, it's been great. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. And that's a wrap. Huge thank you for our amazing guest for being on the podcast and for sharing their journey with us. You can find the show notes of this episode on the MamaEarthTalk.com's website. The biggest thank you goes out to all of you crazy birds for listening to the podcast. If you have not already listened to all of the episodes, you can go back to a few of them. You will absolutely love them. I really enjoyed recording every single one of them. And I really hope that you enjoy listening to them. There's over a hundred episodes. So if you feel a little bit lost on which one to listen to next, maybe select one of the episodes with guests that you might want to know more of and start from there. If you enjoy the episodes, why not tell a friend about the podcast and maybe share an episode with them? Let them know that we are here and we are waiting for them with open arms And they are all very welcome to join the crazy birds globally. If you have a question for me, please send them over. 
The best place would probably be a DM on Instagram at Design by Mariska or pop me an email at hello at mamaearthtalk.com. If there's a particular guest or topic that you would like to hear on the podcast, let me know. I love to hear from all you crazy birds. New episodes are uploaded every second Monday. So make sure to subscribe that you do not miss a thing. Mama Earth has a voice and it's us crazy birds.